What are we doing? I have no idea. Let's start. Okay. What's going on guys, my name is Alden Hero and welcome to the 54th installment of the Midnight Hour. Dun, dun, dun. I'm joined today by Jack. <laughs> That's very anticlimactic, both of you just joined today by... Well, it's Jack, it's always Jack. It... Usually I go, um, I'm joined today by... From the... And then yeah, my head f- goes, oh fuck, come up oh, with, fuck, come well, with stuff. <laughs> and sure. yeah, while you're while you're panicking about what to say, I'm just going. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh shit! I've got to say words. Meow 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 meow. Ah, this is anyway, the best intro. Professionalism. Indeed, I think we have it in abundance. Um, early on in the episode, I want to say, uh, listen to this on SoundCloud, please. The link is in the description. Also, we made a Twitter account for the Midnight Hour specifically. It is in the description, but if you're listening on SoundCloud like a good person, uh, go to the link www.twitter.com and you'll find it there. It's twitter.com forward slash... Does anybody under the age of 40 use www.anymore? Go to http... Colon forward forward slash... Yes. www.twitter.com forward slash tmh podcast. That's HTT. But for real, go follow it because I just want to separate my account from that. I want to make the Midnight Hour its own thing so that it can grow organically for the first time because you're all here because at some point in your life you clicked a video that Nepenthes liked or you're here because you like FIFA career mode videos and that's great and I love you all for being here and I love that I have retained as many people as I have from the channel that I like grew out of essentially um the target audience is out there and I don't think they're gonna find me by searching career mode on YouTube. So no. basically, I just want to separate the midnight hour into its own thing so that it can be its own thing. And I think that's fair enough, and you shouldn't judge me for it. So, yes. with that in mind, we've set up a PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this episode is gonna be about reality TV because 
I was just thinking about reality TV one day, and I was like, I should do a podcast on that. So that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> specifically, the darker elements of reality TV. I really feel like there's a lot there to be explored, and I think a lot of people um, are very cynical towards reality TV, and a lot of people would be very unsurprised to learn that huge parts of reality TV are staged and fake. Oh, yeah. And I think it's interesting that in spite of that, the numbers keep going up and up and up. Although I think for the first time in a long, long time, I think for the first time in like 20 years or something, reality TV is finally on the decline, I feel. Yeah. yeah but um, despite that, I like. I wonder if that's not because it's due to market saturation. Like there's so much of it mm-hmm. now that it's sort of lost its... Uh, niche or it's whatever it is that well i, I yeah. would liken it to mcdonald's like it's shit food and everyone knows that it's shit and like mm-hmm. even people who eat it have these like radical notions that it's mostly just chemicals that congened in a lab somewhere <sighs> rather than actual food and even the people who believe that way more than it's actually true still eat mcdonald's like it's like that with reality tv people know it's fake but they continue to consume it on Mm -hmm. a huge scale and how is that not interesting you know what i mean um basically reality tv uh i guess you could trace its origins back to 1948 which is if you google history of reality tv the thing that you'll come up with the most is that a, a guy by the name of alan funt who was a radio presenter back in the, I think it was mid-30s, the mid-1930s when he originally um, became a radio presenter or, you know, a personality in uh, American pop culture or whatever. Um, But he had a show on radio called Candid Microphone in which he uh, recorded, like, sort of goofs with people uh, who were unsuspectingly complicit in a prank. And that grew into a show called Candid Camera, which is from the year 1948 and it still runs today and you know what candid camera is or you know what some variation Mm -hmm. of it is um it's like isn't there like lots of british versions of it uh yeah just for laughs i think is probably the yeah the 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 one the one that really springs to mind in terms of that where it's kind of you know the uh the the hilarious japes on the unsuspecting public yeah that have now spawned this whole new beast in youtube as well yeah yeah, we'll get onto that. There are some really creative uh, things on Just for Laughs that I've seen. Mm. Like really, just really, just funny, harmless, yeah. fun things. Like uh, I saw one where they like these two sort of attractive um, young girls were like they were wearing these blue raincoats or mm. something, and they asked someone to take a photo of them, and the person took the photo, and then a van drove past them. And they got into the van, and two guys stepped out of the van, but the person taking the photo didn't see them. And the people that got out of the van were two, like, really fat men, both wearing <laughs> jackets, the same as, as the hot girls were. And then the person with the camera looked at it's the photo like... as it popped out, and it was a photo of them, and the person is left in this massive existential <laughs> crisis, um, <laughs> like, wondering what the fuck just happened. And, yeah. like, I, I thought that was really like just hilarious to be honest and like wondering what i would do in that situation because i've read countless studies about how you don't actually know what someone's face looks like you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like you have to really know someone to actually remember things about their face it's very rare that you'd see someone and just remember their face forever so um 
yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> I I think yeah. that, that's just fun, you know. Yeah. Fun. Harmless fun. Yeah, harmless entertainment, and it's all good. A little bit of confusion, and nobody gets murdered. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> none, of, none of Sam Pepper's friends get offed in a strange. <laughs> but um, yeah, reality TV started from there. I guess that that's what most people credited it with. There yeah. were numerous shows throughout the sixties, seventies, and eighties that are. Uh, also credited as having contributed to reality TV. I, to be honest, I don't really know any of them. They're not from my time. No, no. I, I feel like the first introduction that I had to reality TV as a kid was. I would would you would you classify uh, funniest home videos as reality TV? To an extent, yeah, I guess so. It, but it, not in necessarily the format that most people will think of reality TV because yeah. uh, you know reality TV that everyone thinks of is kind of you know either kind of talent shows or um, you know kind of celebrity big brother kind of stuff or big brother sorry kind of stuff the, the, the funny thing about funniest home movies is if you're if you were born in like say 96 or whatever you've kind of had the internet all your life um, mm. So if you want to see funny stuff, you go on YouTube and you type in cat falling into a swimming pool and you watch it and you click all the related links. You used to have to watch TV at a certain time of day yeah. on a certain day. I think it was like, it's like on a Sunday afternoon, um, funniest home movie. And Kirsty's home videos, uh, the Kirsty Gallagher version oh, yeah. as well. Um, like It was where people would literally submit VHS recordings that they had taken mm-hmm. on their home camcorders of funny things that happened. And they got like £50 pounds for doing it. Yeah. Like that's what YouTube used to be. Like that's that's what YouTube became essentially. Yeah. Is funniest home movies. I, I think that's actually mind blowing to think about. Um, mm. But yeah, I guess that would be the first introduction I had to reality TV, and then uh, the first introduction to what you would consider reality TV was Big Brother. Which... Big Brother and um, Survivor, maybe. No, I think actually shows Fear like Factor Survivor preceded. Um, Survivor. I think Fear Factor. Because Survivor was about was apparently ninety two. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Did not know that. Um uh debuted in ninety seven though. Oh, for really? the Swedish version. Oh but, uh, that's interesting. But yeah, so that kind of predates with you know, the kind of survivor that everyone knows of and kind of like that kind of lost you know, kind of a thing. Whether that came later it doesn't actually stay, but Big Brother started in two thousand. Is that when it started? I would have said like 97. Yeah. No, Big Brother was the first Channel 4 series was in 2000. Wow. Yeah. Um, but Fear Factor was a fucking hell of a show. I used to love Fear Factor. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've never... Like, Big Brother was an absolute like phenomenon at the time. I remember like literally everybody in the world talking about it. I remember coming back from holidays one year. Um, I forget where I was, maybe Croatia or somewhere. Mm. And in the airport, like people were asking everyone who won while the winner was announced <laughs> on Channel Four. And like, it's crazy that that like it was so huge. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really. I've never. I watched one season of Big Brother ever in my life. Um, it it was okay. Like what I didn't like about it was that I actually hated a lot of the people in it, and that made me watch it, and it just fed the anger. And it's that thing where you hate something so you continue mm. to watch it and get mad at it because secretly it's satisfying to be mad. You know that whole yeah, weird yeah. paradoxical mm-hmm. train of thought you move into. Um, but the the show was like 
If you don't know what Big Brother is, I wouldn't really be surprised because it's died down an awful lot. It's lost like unbelievable amounts of viewers and stuff. And I, I, I think that people won't remember kind of regular Big Brother mm. because it's all about celebrity Big Brother now. Everyone will have heard of Big Brother because of celebrity Big Brother. Yeah, I can I can almost guarantee that because people have become you know so fascinated with celebrity culture that you know every, you know stick a bunch of them in a house and i say celebrities you know well you know they're people from other reality tv shows on another reality tv show and class them as a celebrity it's you know it's it, not really let's be honest i think we live in um, an era where i like i really um i've said this before and i will always say it hopefully i'll never become a person that mm bemoans things nowadays like i hate how people <laughs> think things are worse nowadays than they ever were when in reality like literally everything is better now than it ever has been oh yeah um but when big brother and all of these reality t- I, I think one of the consequences of reality tv is that we live in an age where more people want to be celebrities now than ever before and i think more mm-hmm. people try really really desperately to become a celebrity to the oh, point yeah. where you can't watch any fucking show anymore like deal or no deal or um what's the one with the wheel that they spin wheel of fortune or whatever yeah. like any of these shows they all have people who have got like a fucking big time tv deal in mind you know what i mean like, yeah oh yeah definitely people try and make a name for themselves and they try and be um like zany and wacky and it's so hard to watch sometimes because mm. you get so like you can just see what they're doing and it's so obvious and it's so cringeworthy and i i don't think that was ever a thing when i was a kid like i can remember watching shows like in ireland there's a show called winning streak and um and even like who wants to be a millionaire and thinking if there was someone who was in any way charismatic you'd be like oh that person's cool or whatever but now they overdo it like so much and it's just embarrassing and I think that's one of the consequences of reality TV, and I think Big Brother has a huge part to play in that because mm. anyone who came out of Big Brother like became a celebrity for a, for a certain period of time. The winner of Big Brother was a big time celebrity. Um, yeah, like the original people that went into the original house didn't have agents or. I don't no. even think like the original Big Brother. They didn't even have challenges or anything like that. Like they were just in the house. And, yeah, it was more like it was a fucking. Um, like a psychology study. Yeah. To watch all of these normies <laughs> yeah. stuck in a house with one another. Yeah. <laughs> it is an interesting concept. Like, I can definitely see the appeal of something like that. Yeah. I I think there are a lot of ways you could make it more interesting, but probably not without endangering the people. No. Uh, they haven't gone for my release a lion into the house idea that I keep emailing them about every year. Um. But stuff like that, um, Big Brother was massive. I, I don't, I couldn't tell you a single member of any Big Brother ever. Um, no. But I have watched it before. I thought it was okay. It was weird. Fear Factor was a great show. Um, mm. I remember it was presented by Joe Rogan, and they used to always get people on it who were of the mindset that they were just determined to win everything. Oh, yeah. I used to find that so interesting. If you actually go back and watch any episode of Fear Factor, it starts out with these six people. There was always three guys and three girls, and they're always walking in slow motion. From a, I think they all get out of a helicopter. A helicopter, yeah, yeah. always on a helicopter. And Sometimes um, on top of a building, sometimes in a field, it varied. Yeah, exactly. 
And as they're walking towards the camera, it zooms in on each one, and then it gives oh, their yeah. monologue. Vital statistics as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But they'd always say stuff like, I am determined to win. Nobody can beat me at anything that I do. I am the master. And like, <laughs> I found that, like, I, I found it bizarre that a culture of people existed who all thought that way. And when I think about it now, it was probably, like, geared specifically towards those types of personalities. Yeah. Um, for obvious reasons. I guess you mm. have to take people who believe in themselves that much um, to get them to do crazy stuff. Yeah. But, um... Saying that, I, you know, I was watching, I stumbled across, so I'm a big fan of the uh, Great British Bake Off. Um, I, you know, I, I enjoy all cooking shows really anyway, but that one's just wonderfully quaint and British and I just really enjoy kind of watching it and kind of learning to hate and love certain people while they bake. Um, <laughs> you really, I stumbled, you, yeah, you yeah, never right. know a person until you see them baking. Yeah, Isn't exactly. That what they say? I, I yeah, that's, exa- was, that's exactly what I say. I think it was Mark Twain who said, yeah. you really see into someone's soul when they're baking. Yeah, folding eggs into yeah. a pastry, yeah. <laughs> um, but I stumbled across on YouTube an American version called The American Baking Show. Right. Yeah, it's not quite as, you know, quaint and British. In fact, it's far beyond because, and I think this is just American culture, but, you know, everyone in the Great British Bake Off is just like, oh, I'm just here to have a good time and, you know, I really just love baking and it'd be quite nice to win. Whereas the American one, they're all like, I'm here to win. I don't give a shit. I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> Fuck them. I'm here to bake. And, you know, like, and it's just like, I sat there watching it, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm here to bake like, people to death, bro! If I'm not winning, I'm not baking right. <laughs> I will, like, you know, like, throwing the commit seppuku if they don't fucking win. It's, yeah. you know, I think there's just that degree of, that is just American culture. Everything, you've got to be 100% at everything. You've got to be in it to win it. Oh, if not, what's the point of doing it? I really want to read a book that's a proper psychological study about the difference between Britain and America, because I just find the difference between those two cultures to be fascinating. Like, on almost every level to look at, like, they're the same, but you scratch the surface even just a little tiny bit and you realise that they are completely different from each other. Like, it is bizarre and crazy and so fascinating. If if we yeah. like if we ever have the time, we should try and fund a study or <laughs> yeah, fund fund a study of just why the Americans different from us. Yeah, because didn't why? they do like a British version of not? They did a British Fear Factor, didn't they? Uh, they might have done, but it was you know people um, not having milk in their tea and they... you know <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> eating eating rare rare steak you need to drink this cup of rare. hot water no no i think i'm without having done any research at all on this i will go out on a limb and say they did a british fear factor and there was teams there was a blue team and the red team and there was i think six members on each team and um, i think richard hammond hosted it um oh, God. <laughs> probably, no probably sure it. he didn't he <laughs> They asked Jeremy Clarkson, but <laughs> shouted a bunch of racial slurs and refused. Um, 
but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened because I th- I think that's how you bring a competitive element to something that otherwise like American people are just very competitive. It seems like from what we see on reality TV anyway, which as we'll learn is not all that um, <laughs> trustworthy. But in in Fear Factor, if you don't know, they started out by doing a stunt that was usually based um, with people's fear of heights. Isn't that right? Like, uh, yeah. the starting one was always some crazy thing. Like, uh, I remember they did a celebrity one. No, sorry, they did a WWE one. And they had uh, the Hardy Brothers, uh, Booker T, and then um, Lita and two other uh, girl wrestlers. Yeah. I can't remember. But I remember one of the things, it started out with they had to descend into a helicopter with those ladders that they pulled down. But they start yeah. at the very bottom step. So they had to pull themselves up and then climb up while it was over the ocean, which, as we all know, is the worst place. Yeah, naturally. Um, and then the second thing, I think they had to eat deer penis or something like that. Lovely. And then on the third one, they had to walk across a sort of a circular steel structure that was 150 feet in the air, something like that. Wow, blimey. Uh, Booker T one. I've only seen that episode once, and I remember all <laughs> Fucking, that was my childhood. Um but yeah that that was fear factor you always started out with some stunned thing then the second one was a disgusting thing like you had to eat something horrible or drink something horrible and mm. then the third one was an insanely i remember in one they had to swim through some sort of underwater chamber and uh, yeah. they had like a fistful of keys and they had to find the right key to unlock one of the doors and stuff um, that was a seriously entertaining yeah. show as a kid um, I've never read anything about that show being fake, but I think given the sort of unique nature of uh, the mentalities of people who'd like to participate in a show like that, it's very unlikely that anything was fake. I mean, you could see safety harnesses and stuff. There's no mm. question about that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's fake. That doesn't eliminate all kind of yeah. fear from it, does it? Um, I, I think like after that, uh, reality TV sort of went under the radar in certainly in the UK and Ireland. Like I remember lots of Big Brother stuff. Not a lot else though until X Factor came along. Uh, I think yeah, like American Idol and Pop Idol pre you know that predates. But did they ever X make Factor. it to British TV? Pop Idol was the British version. American was Idol it? was the American version. Did someone like Lamar win Pop Idol? Lamar may have done. I think that's Lamar was on something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I have I have no idea who actually won. Yeah, <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you who were the judges apart from Simon Cowell. Who won the first X Factor? Uh, that is a great, great question. I don't even know. I don't think the guy um, who won it. Apparently, either. apparently, Will Young won the first ever Pop Idol. So. Oh really? Yeah, and Gareth Gates was... Will Young's had a good his, career. Will Young still releases a song every now and then, which yeah. is fairly surprising. Yeah, but like he had one like quite recently that was really highly rated, I'm pretty sure. Mm. That might have been a good few years ago now. But like he's definitely gotten a lasting career from it, and he's definitely a respected musician in his own right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, whereas Gareth Gates released a, one song with the that Indian um, family and then disappeared forever. I'm going to go out. I'm going to stick my neck out and say that's not what sticking your neck out means is it you stick your neck uh, out for someone um, yeah i'm just fuck garrett gates um <laughs> x factor in fact simon cowell is largely to blame for the uprising of reality tv his his um production company psycho s-y-c-o mm. clever name um 
also his uh, mental condition. Um, that spawned so many shows that like were sold to so many networks in America. Um, he had one that was a lot like Dragon's Den. It was like America's Next Big Invention or something like mm. that. Um, and he had... Uh, I, I don't know. He had tons of shows. Like, the the model of talent shows or, you know, shows with judges, that's a completely Simon Cowell. Yeah. Like, he really, really believes in that model and he's had huge success from that model. Yeah. Um, the, the darker side of X Factor... Uh, for me, like I have seen X Factor, it's very hard to get away from it sometimes because certain things on it are so bizarre that they go viral and you'll see them pop up on your Facebook mm. timeline and stuff. And then some things equally are so good that you continue watching them. Um, they screen every every single person who gets to the next round on X Factor, like something like ninety percent of the time, are people who have met with the judges before. Yeah. And they, they know who they are, and they're told to behave a certain way. And this is sort of what I wanted to explore a little more in this mm-hmm. episode, was there are teams dedicated to literally just selling the show to viewers. And what they did with X Factor was they, instead of looking for actual musical talent, they're not looking for mm-hmm. the best singer. They're looking no. for the most marketable thing. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, they're looking for characters who are you know, obscene or outrageous or bizarre because they prey on the fact that people will watch it just to get annoyed. Um, like, I know that I definitely do that with a lot yeah. of shows. Um, but that sort of thing is really prominent. And with X Factor, what I really don't like is that they get people who probably have, like, actual mental problems or, like, learning disabilities yeah. or and they properly like, like con them into going on there and say stuff like, "Oh man, you're definitely the best, and you're definitely gonna win this mm. and stuff like that." Um, and that's just not good. Like that's <laughs> that doesn't sit right with me watching that, and no. I don't like the fact that people get like enjoy taking advantage of and stuff like that yeah, yeah. it's just that, that, that doesn't so it's like you were saying with the kind of with X Factor and all in fact all talent shows I can you know I, I worked you know in central London in the TV kind of not business as it were but for a post-production company and you know you get talking to people when you're at the bar and stuff like that but they you know you were saying that it's all about the story of these people like it's all about like you'll notice that everyone that's on the show obviously the beginning of shows like X Factor and stuff you have like two versions two different types of people you have the really good ones that you think okay they're going to go through to the live kind of bits and then you've got the fucking whack jobs mm-hmm. and before they even get to the auditions and I know this probably seems obvious to a lot of people but it might not be obvious at all to a lot of other people they've already gone through um they submit video tapes oh yeah, yeah singing first and then they go through two different actual um personal auditions before they even get to the live judges kind of auditions like you know they've already selected who they want who they you know what kind of whack jobs they've got lined up for this year and stuff like that. they've already selected all of that yeah before they even get there like if anyone believes that 
any reality TV show, like not just X Factor and kind of the talent shows, isn't completely scripted. Like almost entirely scripted from start to finish, then you you know, you're wrong. <laughs> so, like, quite um, simply. A really good example of that is the Irish twins Jedward. Yeah. Who like I will admit straight up I think they're so fucking entertaining and I, I think they obviously get to a stage where they're just exhausting to listen to but there's something about how just pathetically naive they are um, that they're really fascinating like I, I, I kind of I really applaud anyone who has a certain amount of self-belief but when that self-belief eclipses talent and you still make a career from it. I genuinely can do nothing but respect that. Like I, I've been like very uh, defensive over. Mm. I, I think when younger celebrities get a glimpse of fame and people start to take it so seriously and so offensively, I that's so bad for someone's mindset. Like I, I, in the very first episode, I think of this series this podcast yeah. that spoke about rebecca black and how pathetic it was <laughs> that she got death threats over a fucking song yeah like it's a bad song but she was like 11 you know what i mean like, <laughs> stuff like that I, I can't really accept that yeah and yeah i remember i actually watched the x factor that had jedward on it because um i was seeing a girl at the time who watched it and I remember their audition they auditioned in glasgow because i was living in scotland at the time mm. and um Louis Walsh was in the he was on the, the panel and he was adamant that he was getting them through no matter what and oh, that's yeah. because Louis Walsh has an eye for Irish um, people with no talent young Irish boys yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you said it not me <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I did but he uh, was just so adamant about them and their performance wasn't really that good like they sort of showed a lot of confidence or whatever mm. um, but that was really all they had and then they got true in the end, even though, like, there's yeah. no way they fucking should have. And it was really... so. If you go back and watch it now, like, knowing what you know now about them and how it seems like, oh, wow, like, he had, he knew that they were going to be good or whatever. Like, yeah, of course he did, because he fucking saw them, like, way mm. more times than that one time on stage. Mm. Um, but their first performance on the actual live shows was one of the most obscenely hilarious things I've ever seen in my entire life. And, like, at one point they did the Britney Spears song, You Drive Me Crazy. Yeah. And like they reenacted the bit where it was like, oh, I thought the old lady threw it into the scene. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking funny. I don't know. Um, but, like, yeah, they're, they're one of the main examples. They, in fact, I think it was them who I found out from that they go through more, way more interviews and way more uh, mm. checks than just turning up and auditioning yeah. and getting picked. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that thing really does play into that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I've just been thinking as well about, you know, apart from the kind of talent show aspect, the one thing that I do know about talent shows is purely the ridiculous amount of money that goes into making them. Mm -hmm. Like these, like the, the phone poles and the kind of, um, you know, all of the advertisement and the sponsors stuff, such a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of money is made by those shows and then put back into the shows to make each one yeah. like you know i heard from someone that each of the live 
um, audition of Britain's Got Talent costs over a quarter million to make. Fucking hell. Per episode. Jesus. Yeah, and that's just the auditions. That's, you know... That's crazy. The, you know, the medium-sized theatres with people coming and going and, you know, just randomers that There's... will get two minutes of screen time. Like <laughs> The model of... Um... Like picking a winner from X Factor and having them release an album and fade into obscurity again is mm. just unbelievably profitable as well for yeah. like Simon Cowell. Oh, yeah. Like all he has to do is do that, and then like they only sign a one well, one album deal, and mm. that's the end of them. And usually as well, it's a cover song that they do, and that's what gets oh, yeah. a lot of sales. And to be honest, he wins either way. Yeah. Like if they if they make it big, if they they actually become a genuine hit. Or say they place third, like One Direction did, yeah. and become you know a hit. Then he's got this fucking, he's got a license to print money essentially. Yeah. Like he's absolutely fucking minted because of this. He is like, like uh, unreal levels of. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. so. The, the thing I really, really do take issue with with X Factor and Britain's Got Talent is the way that they coerce like people with low intelligence or learning disabilities into doing things by just bigging them up beforehand and telling them that they are amazing and then they go on stage and they get laughed at and i just like that really Mm -hmm. destroys me to when i overthink about that i just really don't like it and then they also give a platform to like well-known nut jobs who Mm. turn up and they're literally just looking for the fame and like the you know whatever attention they can get from it and they otherwise are like not all there or they're Mm. dangerous and stuff like that and i just another thing that i think reality tv show in reality tv shows in general do is they kind of cast people who have no idea how to handle a lifestyle of the rich and the famous into that mm. world to the point where it can be, you know, mentally exhausting. It can send you into, like, just being overly stressed about anything can completely change your mentality towards so many things, you know. Like, it can be really dangerous to um, push people as hard as that into a world that they're not necessarily ready for, you know what I mean? Like, mm, sort yeah. of like the cliche about the child celebrity that grows up to be crazy oh yeah crackhead yeah yeah that kind of thing like you can a lot of people are in danger of having Mm -hmm. that happen to them yeah and uh, yeah I don't I don't really have much else to say I I was gonna I was gonna mention that there's kind of one reality TV that I hadn't really thought of until now that um, kind of doesn't even uh, rise to the top of the pile in terms of when someone says reality TV show, no one ever thinks. But shows like um, you know, like um, a police chase shows. Oh yeah. Any police chase shows? That's reality TV. Yeah, that's true. It's fucking great reality TV, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, like I used to thoroughly enjoy watching like cops and stuff like that. Watching police chases is the hallmark of any. Teenage boys' upbringing. I think. <laughs> like, <laughs> imagine, imagine living in America where like they get televised on the news yeah. and like the news um, helicopters follow them and stuff. And mm. You get to see that all on TV. Like, 
we we uh, were starved of that here. Yeah, we get it. We get it commentated over in letterbox four by three. Yeah, <laughs> ten, ten, ten pixels if you're lucky. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Those shows were actually really good as well. Like even like they never actually scared me. It always just felt like TV to me. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was never afraid. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Those people were out there or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, car chases were uh, absolutely massive in the mind of any child. Mm-hmm. Like everyone had toy cars and toy police cars and stuff like that. Yeah. And like we didn't have games like Grand Theft Auto in 3D. Like we had nah. a 2D version of it. Oh yeah, the top-down version. Do you remember the game Driver? Oh yeah, that definitely. Was, that was fucking unreal. Excellent that, game. Yeah, huge part of that comes mm-hmm. from um, even like the Getaway games like that. Mm. Um, that's from the whole car chase thing that was popularized by, I guess, American criminals and yeah. ridiculous news footage uh, from America, which actually brings me into something I really did want to mention mm. that I don't think is a side effect of the popularity of reality TV. I think it's more a case of just um, the over. Um, like exploitation by mm-hmm. news companies with with stuff like the um the most recent shooting in the two supposed muslim extremists mm. in america um the husband and wife i i i can't do you know what there's been so many of them that i don't know which one this was i, I genuinely can't keep up with the amount of shootings that go on in america yeah um but it was the husband and wife one. Yeah, I think I know. I think I know which one you mean. Yeah. They were radicalized. Yeah, allegedly. yeah. Allegedly. Um, they met on a dating website or whatever. Um, <laughs> but the fucking news cameras going into their house. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Filming their fucking child's room and stuff like that. Yeah, before it was even declared a police scene. Yeah, yeah. Like before it was even declared a crime scene, they were going in and you know you had you literally saw. Ton, tens of news companies in this house where there could be bombs, there could be, you know, you know, assuming there were actual radicals and they had, you know, a ton, a ton of evidence that, and there were just news anchors and presenters wandering around with cameramen with lights on following them, yeah. picking shit up. They gave the landlord a massive amount of money oh, to, yeah. to do that. A that like, that's so fucking dark yeah that's awful that's so grim that's literally like uh, there is a movie that satirizes yeah nightcrawler yeah nightcrawler that is like literally... I, I was thinking of that scene where yeah yeah that movie is amazing yeah that's an excellent film um it's a great commentary on news companies as well mm-hmm. like, in all honesty um but yeah that is like I really did want to talk about that and how they just overdo that and how even like any school shooting the massive amounts of media coverage they give to that yeah. is just playing into the hands of the killer and I'm not oh, saying yeah. like I I know that there's a really famous speech out there from a doctor um I think or a psychologist it was popularized by Charlie Brooker mm-hmm. it's the one where it says don't make this a mass yeah. media event yeah. localize this coverage and stuff like that I don't think that's feasible. Like realistically, nobody's going to do that. If if there were a school shooting and no one reported on it, that would be really weird. But I think the the mass sort of media thing, the fact that they crave like news anchors, like they literally crave school shootings. Like yeah. that's fucking disgusting. Like the amount of attention they give to the killers and the way they have yeah. to do all of these psych evaluations, these armchair psych evaluations is just 
just immoral. Like, yeah, it's you know they you know they complain they complain about it you know it saying it's like it's a cry for attention, and then they reward that cry with the biggest amount of, you know the largest amount of attention that they can possibly muster, mm-hmm. you know, covering it twenty four seven until, and you know I have a real problem with um, the naming like the like. The the whole thing of I think it's part of that speech that you said was popularized by Charlie Brooker is not necessarily just don't um you know kind of report on it but just don't name them don't glamorize don't it. glamorize it, it, it you put a face you put a face and a name to the person yeah and they, it makes it you know it turns them into a celebrity for the, better or worse Columbine guys are nicknamed yeah. the trench coat mafia yeah because they I think it, I think it was literally just that one of them wore a trench coat. Yeah. And like the trench coat mafia, that is glamorizing them. That's oh, yeah. making them into some like that's making them into a James Bond villain mm-hmm. type thing. You know what I mean? Like that's not something that you should really oh, be yeah. doing to like if you if you don't think that that plays a part in the mind of somebody who maybe who is twisted, yeah. Yeah, not even like a lot of like you know normal people just snap and bring a gun like people get so beaten down um mentally and psychologically that they don't have another option in their own minds you know what i mean like this is something that they have to do it's the only way they'll make a name for themselves it's the only way they'll get revenge the world will see what like i've I've read lots of articles about this kind of thing Mm. but um if you like by continuing to do that you are amplifying the problem and increasing the likelihood of it repeating and mm-hmm. i would say that's partly the reason why there are so many school shootings uh, along with the um readily available firearms and also oh, yeah. a big factor i'm gonna say is the fact that um tv channel like when i was growing up there were four tv channels everyone knows this like when anyone was growing up there was four tv channels now there's six thousand because there's so many TV channels and everyone, like, it's really easy to set up a TV channel now on, like, any sort of, you know, you can get a digital box and you can be channel 6, 9, 7, yeah. or whatever. Um, that leads to a massive increase of 24-hour news coverage. And when you have 24-hour news coverage, you need to fill that with stuff. Yeah. And so if there's a huge event, it becomes the only event. And mm-hmm. that ruins public perception of certain things i actually think that the american presidential race suffers so much from that yeah like, they were you talking... can't you can't get away from it even even in england i can't seem to get away from it it's unreal like i it's a presidential like people don't care this much about the you know Tommy the prime ministerial like debates and you know the election but for some reason because it's broadcast by you know so many news networks, it's just it's just all anyone ever seems to talk about. You can't get away from it, even you know the other side of the world. I think as Ridiculous. well, you get so many clown characters like Donald Trump. Yeah, is not going to be president, and he's not even running for presidency. In my opinion, it's a publicity stunt, whatever. Mm-hmm. But he is a joke of a human being, and yeah. the fact that he has a following of any kind is a testament to the oversaturation of this kind of reporting. We mm-hmm. don't need to know 
about the president. Like, the election itself is not going to be until another nine months, I think. That's all right, yeah. And there, oh, it, it's just, I can't actually, it's just... No, yeah. It's, it's just mind-blowing. It, it, and it's it's a symptom of the fact that America is a whole other culture. Mm. And, like, this isn't a reflection of the American people. It's, you know, the corporations that um, distribute this kind yeah. of well, over you can you can say that it's not a reflection of the American people, but you know they wouldn't they wouldn't keep putting it out if there wasn't an audience to watch it. Quite frankly, I think it's it uh, is a lot of you know it's all about ratings, and if they're getting the ratings and people are watching it, they're going to keep pumping it out. I th- I think it's sort of a mixture of the fact that they keep pumping it out, and therefore people just watch it kind yeah. of thing. But yeah, like, it's like a self-sustaining cycle. It's yeah, exactly. And it's it's nothing. It it doesn't help that there are these clown characters like Ben Carson and Donald Trump who are just. Mm. And and I really think as well, it's it's so bad for the Republican Party because I think there are plenty of reasonable Republicans in the world. Um, yeah. I kind of like have this tribalistic instinct to view Republicanism as the enemy, and that's amplified in a large way by the presence and coverage given to the likes of Donald Trump and Ben Carson yeah. because they're so obscene, and it's so easy to go, oh look. This is all Republicans' opinions. But that guy, Chris Christie, seems like a perfectly reasonable candidate. Like, he says a lot of things I don't agree with, but he says it in an articulate way, and in you can see his logic, for sure. Yeah. And he's dropping out of the race now. <laughs> and, like, I really do feel like if there was not such an early build-up, that he could establish a much better platform because he could enter the race at a time where people are likely to listen to things that he has to say. Yeah. And I feel like he's suffering largely because of the... But then again, to be honest, I don't really know what I'm talking about when it comes to American mm. politics. Um, but one thing I did want to talk about, to take it back to reality mm. TV... Because there is an interesting crossover between TV and reality TV like yeah. nowadays. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about was the large presence of ghost-busting shows or haunted mm. house-type shows, things of that nature. Um, I have a few friends who genuinely believe in ghosts, mm. and that's fine that's their opinion yep. like who can who is to say that they don't exist whatever i can tell you for sure that they don't fucking exist in houses that are filmed by these types of production yeah. crews and stuff like they literally add like all sorts of visual effects and audio effects to the production you know what i mean mm-hmm. like yeah yeah they do these séance type things and they ask like oh who died here or whatever and they interpret a response from noise when they record at an inconceivable decibel and then yeah. they um, sort of sift through hours of static and white noise to find mm-hmm. something that could be anything that they will work and manipulate to sound like you know a fucking someone who died in 17th century Germany responding to a question in modern day American English. Yeah. Stuff like that. Mm. Like, fuck off with that. Like, that is absolute bullshit. Um, there, there are loads of ways that you can explain certain phenomenon that take place within, you know, like, creaking floorboards and 
mysterious cold chills and yeah stuff like that to be honest with uh, with like a ton of that stuff it's if this person is going in there believing that's what they're going to feel chances are you know you know they're going to interpret you know say a, a slight breeze as kind of this ghostly breath on the back of their neck you know they're going to be on you know they're going to be on guard and they're going to feel they're kind of you know if if there's a slight change in like air pressure when they go into a different room mm-hmm. they'll interpret that as you know being you know the spirit of someone exiting as they were entering and stuff like that yeah yeah you know it's that kind of thing like if you're really kind of hoping as it were kind of for these things to happen chances are you'll perceive them as happening do you as someone who works or has worked in film and mm. studies film um do you have anything to say about how easy it is to manipulate uh video oh god no, i i'm <laughs> you know it's seriously just go out and google youtube like a vfx showreel or you know anything like that and there's 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 one that's like my personal favorite because it just shows you how ridiculous and obviously these shows how um you know you know these shows don't have a you know a large budget compared to you know like uh, hollywood films but there's a um you wouldn't the, the, this example is from the show ugly betty and you wouldn't yeah like you wouldn't think that they've got a massive budget or anything and it's a scene where she's coming out she's coming down the stairs of this thing and someone's got like a microphone in her mouth and she's like answering this person's this news report's questions and then ends up walking into a glass like a bus stop tv show she's walking down the steps into the bus stop in reality it's all green screen mm. like the only thing that's real is the bloke with the microphone and her yeah yeah like everything else is green screened literally everything and it's unreal so if they're doing that for one scene in ugly betty you can guarantee that they can afford to get one bloke that can do some basic video editing or some basic work in after effects or something like that to make a ghost kind of appear it, and you know, it always like, takes place in the dark as well. Oh yeah, and it is so easy to mess with video, especially when if you if you've got like a screen that's almost black anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's so easy to just blend something in. Like, I feel like shows like that are made to pander to a certain audience, and there mm. is a certain audience who, like what you were alluding to, will just absolutely go along with yeah. whatever. Um. Do you think that the Blair Witch Project played mm. a huge part in the existence of shows like this? Oh yeah, for sure. Like I've said it a, like a million times, and I'll say it, and I'll keep saying it. But you, people nowadays don't appreciate the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> like it's as simple as that. If you were, like, I'm not saying I was there. But I actually, I actually had the pleasure of watching the Blair Witch Project without knowing particularly much about it, going into it, which is the perfect way to go into watching the Blair Witch Project. And don't forget, the Blair Witch Project was at a time when there wasn't. This was like a first, you know. This was it was so 
kind of shoddily done, as it were, you know, with regards to it being found footage, that everyone was like, there's no way that they'd, you know, purposely film it this shit. It's got to be real. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's got to be real. And it was marketed as a documentary. Yeah. You know, I, I it was marketed as, like, like, we literally found this footage in the woods, uh, and, you know, here it is, all of it. Like, you know... I think that's the real genius behind the Blair Witch Project. It 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 was made on a budget of twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. And they kind of tricked the actors in. There's actually some really fascinating articles about mm. that. Like the filmmakers. I I I know it's um three. Is it two guys who made it? Um. Two. It, two I, guys. Is it? No, I'm thinking of Paranormal Activity with a girlfriend. Um, I think it might be three guys. Or two guys and a girl. They're so fucking clever, like, for doing what they did. It was at sort of peak time where... Like, you wouldn't get away with that nowadays because mm. everyone on the internet knows that, you know, it, like, it, if that came out... It came out in 1999 when the internet wasn't as, like... In, it wasn't in its huge universal yeah, information yeah. phase. So, like, not a lot was known about it. It was marketed as a documentary. The marketing campaign was like so fucking clever mm-hmm. um but the the movie is like terrifying when you think about it in that context because it just is it just does its own thing it does everything for mm. itself and it was made on such a small budget i like i will never not be fascinated and filled with respect for what the blair witch project achieved yeah. on such a modest budget and many movies have tried to emulate that success. And I guess Paranormal Activity, like you mentioned, does mm. do the best job of doing that. I, To be honest, I thought Paranormal Activity was garbage. Like, I, mm. didn't really like it. I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world. But, you know, it was it was impressive, and especially the amount of money they made on it for... I think they made it for, like, $10,000. And, you know, they, they did all the filming in the director's house... By, like, it came out in um, July 1999. It was mm. made on a budget of... It says uh, 60000 US dollars estimated, which I guess would be mm. 30000 each for the... It, yeah. It's actually two directors. Um, by the end of the year in 1999, in the UK alone, it had generated £15 million. Pounds. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just phenomenal. Like, that's mm. unreal. That, that's just class. Um, but it, it, to, to the actual movie itself, the year before Big Brother came out, you had this movie that a lot of people thought was real, and mm. it was marketed as something that was being completely real. And I've always felt like I can remember this time, like I, I remember 1999, and I remember being so fascinated with things that were marketed as real that were not in fact real. And I don't know if that was childlike naivety or if it was something about the time and the lack of internet cynicism mm-hmm. that people generally yeah. tended to have. But my favorite things in 1999 were like wrestling and you know, th- like things like that that I was so sure was definitely real. And yeah. that's what, like, the Blair Witch Project is that to me. You know, it's something that is real. And I, I think mm. it played a huge part in, like, re- the introduction of reality TV and stuff. Did you yeah. ever see a show called Scare Tactics? No, but the name rings a bell. 
it was an American reality TV show where they picked an unsuspecting person and decided to scare them for whatever reason. But mm. they do stuff like uh, this guy wants to play a prank on his friend who believes in aliens and stuff. So they would make a legit alien apocalypse around him and stuff. And like they use amazing effects to create that and bring it to life and stuff. Mm. And it scared the life out of people. It was unreal. Like, it was a class show to watch. But the more I know about reality TV, the more I suspect it was probably fake. Even the likes of, say, Punked. Mm. Like, do you think that's legit? Or do you think a lot of celebrities know it's going to happen so they know to act a certain way? Uh, I think that they will have an idea of most of what's going on. There'll be certain elements that will be a surprise to get a genuine reaction. Yeah. Um, but I think that they will have you know, a fair idea of what's going on. What I suspect about Punked is that Ashton Kutcher's team would have approached them and asked mm. them if they'd be interested, and they don't tell them when it's going to happen.
Yeah. What do you think about Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he's he's a magician <laughs> that has tried to kind of carve his own like niche market as this kind of modern-day Houdini. Yeah. I suppose. I suppose that's the best way to describe it. He's like he's really trying to play the psychological angle, and you know a lot of it's very well done. And I'm sure that a lot of people, when he said you're now stuck to your chair for the commercial break, I'm sure they would you know genuinely stuck to their chairs. Just so happens that you know nobody I know or have ever spoken to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, you know, you know what I mean. Like, I, I think that, I think again, it's all about people being susceptible. Um, it's about people, people who are willing to believe. And I think this is the, this is true with um, hypnotism as well, because um, a lot of what he does is hypnotism. If you're willing to believe, it's more likely to happen. Do you think that explains that massive growth that reality TV had? was just that people wanted to believe it. Yeah, I think I think it's not so much that people want to believe it, it's just the fact that people can't be bothered and don't really care enough to think about it as, as any other thing that, than, you know, what it projects itself as. They're not interested in like analyzing it. Just, yeah, they don't care. I, I think that accurately sums up fans of reality TV. Yeah. <laughs> um the Darren Brown thing, I did you watch his thing about the end of the world? The He made some guy believe that the yes. apocalypse... I think it was Darren Brown's apocalypse. Yeah, um, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, uh, there was a some kind of psychological study-esque survey uh, conducted by a production crew. Um, and people thought nothing of it. Like, it was set up completely just to be a survey that you fill out and one of the people who filled it out matched the criteria um of it, Darren Brown's you know the candidate that he had in mind um so I don't know specifically what the questionnaire asked or whatever but I know that he this guy filled it out and he matched mm. the he met the standards they were looking for um and Darren Brown with the help of the guy's family basically tricked him into believing that the world had ended he did several mm -hmm. things that were fascinating such as breaking into the guy's house and stealing his phone and hacking yeah. into his apps and putting in like news stories about meteorites and strange uh, uh, magnetic shifts and things like that and then uh, eventually, even like when the guy would go into the shop, he'd hack the news to read out mm. stuff about meteors and things like that. Um, and eventually, the guy was on a bus going to some party with his brother or something like that. Um, mm. I've only seen this once, and it was it was when yeah, yeah. so I don't really remember everything. But Darren Brown turned up. Darren Brown was a, a guy on the bus, um, disguised, and he turned up behind him and put his like. <laughs> He did one of them things where he just like touches his shoulder and he, he says to him, "You will sleep now." And the guy he just did goes. Did a thing that's literally not a thing, and this yeah. is how I just lost all faith in this thing, right? Yeah. His middle finger and his thumb. He put, um, his middle finger and his thumb on each of the guy's temples, so his hand over his forehead mm -hmm. like that, and that made the guy go to sleep. It knocked him unconscious. Yeah. Hmm. Suspicious. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. 
But anyway, then he placed the guy in this end of the world scenario and made him become a more responsible person by helping out someone like a girl who had mm. lost her parents and um, yeah. he had to come to terms with the death of most of his friends and the yeah because yeah, that's hilarious yeah that's funny yeah. Um, but that was the whole setting of the show and that I watched that because I fucking love anything to do with the apocalypse I think it's fascinating mm-hmm. as hell I, I think I would love to know how I would react under those circumstances yeah. this thing was more um What's the word? It played into the guy's hands. Like, yeah. he was more of a puppet, really, than. Uh, yeah. A, like. A, a, a serious survivalist. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, and it was made easy for him in that way, mm. I feel. But I constantly question what was real about that and what wasn't. Yeah. Because if a show like X Factor, which is presented in the plainest and most reasonable way as a talent show. Yeah is pretty much mostly bullshit 90% fake and smoke and mirrors what the fuck is this highly produced show that involves a man hacking into someone's phone and yeah i know that darren brown is an immensely intelligent character and a fantastic reader of um people and people, stuff yeah people in general people's minds and just things mm-hmm. like that like he has a talent for that and that is mm-hmm. a legitimate talent how how do you put a guy to sleep by putting your hand over his face? Uh, like I don't know. It's you know, and it's it's the same thing in all of his shows, though. You know, when he's hypnotizing someone, they sit down for two seconds. He puts his hand on their head, and suddenly they're unconscious. And it's like really like there's a guy called Keith Barry. He's an Irish illusionist. He's the Irish hmm. Darren Brown essentially, but he's a lot less pompous and a lot more down to earth and. I went to see one of his shows in 2010 or something like that, mm-hmm. and it was it was amazing. It was mind blowing. Like the the things that he did, I know that he just legitimately has a talent for it. He knows how to read people. He's able to mm-hmm. predict what people will say in certain ways because he um, unconsciously puts images into people's heads. You know, or not he doesn't do it unconsciously. He puts it into people's heads and they are not conscious to the fact that it's what's happening around them you know what i mean um the whole setting of the keith barry show was like you get a card at the start and it says a weird cryptic message at the back Mm. and then at the very end of the show he gets certain people that he's pulled up on stage to all say a thing that's in their head and it reads out on the card basically um not in that exact way but it's like the letters at the start of each sentence formed their own sentences that were then read out by people because he just Mm kind of coerced them into saying it in some weird mental hack kind of way but um keith barry what struck me as fascinating was he would call people up on stage by he threw a teddy into the crowd and they yeah i think threw it around for a bit and yeah yeah, and then it ends up with someone random yeah and then the person comes on stage and he would say to them like oh what are you thinking about or whatever um, you're thinking about this, aren't you? And some people, he would be like, it's it's not going to work on you, you need to sit down. And I noticed mm. that Darren Brown does that exact thing. And yeah. that sort of ruins the um, atmosphere. Illusion, yeah. Yeah, it, it does ruin the illusion a little bit. because, But at the same time, I think what's interesting about Darren Brown is that he doesn't really claim to be anything other than an illusionist. Um, yeah. And that is the illusion, essentially. Like, when he says to someone, it's not going to work on you, I think he's read them as a yeah. cynic. 
you know? Because mm. I'll be stood there, like, you know, hands on hips, arms folded, looking at him like, yeah, come on, dickhead, try it. <laughs> the thing is, if if someone asks me what am I thinking, I have a default answer. I don't ever say what I'm thinking. I just yeah. have a fucking answer that's there already. And if he did that to me, that is what would happen. And there's no way he could possibly know that. So, mm. I f- like, I, I don't know. Like, those are all factors. But the whole, like, you, you can't fucking put someone to sleep by putting your hand on their no. forehead. Like, that's, even, like, there was a, a theory going around that he used chloroform or whatever, which <sighs> you need to, like, literally inhale chloroform from the tissue for five minutes. Yeah, you it's, yeah you've got to inhale it for five minutes before you pass out. Yeah. Like, uh... So, that idea is out. Um, yeah. I just don't know, and I don't like that I don't know, because it makes me feel like there are other things that I don't know. And as we both know, I know everything. So, oh yeah, naturally. Yeah, it's. I, I. Do you like any reality TV shows? Um, I'm trying to think. Like, no. Um, I have a real um kind of not soft spot, but I have like a guilty pleasure for um the show Secret Eaters. Okay. Um. Just because I find it hilarious, because they're you know people are like I'm I'm not eating that much, uh, and yet I'm still getting fat, and I'm sitting here going, well, I can guarantee that you're eating more than you think you are, and that's why you're getting fat. Yeah. And then they watch them for a week, and they go, you were eating more than you thought you were. This is how much you're eating. This is why you're fat. And their person goes, oh, no, and I go. Oh, Yes. That, like, <laughs> that's genuinely... Um, it's, it's, I, it's an unbelievable um, like side effect of like a food addiction. Which is yeah. like, people who are overweight are addicted to food. And it's actually not... like I know it, it's so easy to say, oh, like just work out. Or if you're serious about this, just go to the gym and do this and this. Like For some people, they don't know what they're doing wrong and like i have the exact same thing myself if I, I like you know how we both spoke about having a fear of diabetes in the past yeah like i i make sure my daily sugar intake is is under uh 100 of the rda mm-hmm. but like sometimes i do a calculation of how much sugar i've taken in that day yeah. and it is fucking way over 100%. It's just, I don't think about everything that I eat. Yeah. Like I, One of the things I saw on Secret Eater, I don't know if it was Secret Eaters or if it was a separate um, documentary or whatever, mm. but they had a really skinny person who couldn't gain weight um, or whatever, like they had a, a medical condition or, you know, some people, the makeup of their body is just that they can kind of eat whatever and their metabolism is so fast, yeah. their body breaks down quicker or whatever. Um, and an overweight person, and they both did like the the overweight person completely underestimated mm-hmm. what they ate, and the underweight person completely overestimated everything yeah. that they ate, and like they they both just didn't have a clue what their diet was, mm. and that says something to me about diets. Like there's definitely something about um, food addiction and obesity and stuff that hasn't been exposed yet or hasn't been properly dissected mm-hmm. and learned yet and i want to know what it is because i feel like i am at risk 
of a serious illness in diabetes and I just don't feel like I have the mental capacity to control it and that's frightening because it's also ridiculous you know what I mean like how can you not mm. control what you eat but it's actually hard to do that like you you kind of unconsciously snack on things you know what I mean like yeah like see I'm I'm kind of in almost complete disagreement with you because I you know I've I was quite overweight um i've been overweight all my life um as far as i can remember um you know i've always been overweight like you know always i, I was told that you know when i was younger I'd, I'd grow upwards and i'd get thinner and i did get a bit thinner but i was still overweight and people would say oh you know you're just you know you're just stocky you're just big and it was no i was fat straight up so like last September, I started, and I used my fitness pal, um, you know, calorie counting app, and I got a food scale and I weighed everything that I ate, tracked it all, figured out how many how many calories I was burning, you know, just doing no exercise at all, ate less than that, and I've lost weight, and I'm now, you know, properly, for you know, like probably the second time in my life in a healthy weight range. Mm. So, and I, you know, I've been doing it very overly controlling of my food um you know like i've been i've measured everything for the last i think i'm on 124 days at this point um you know logging streak on this my fitness power thing um you know 124 days i've been measuring everything that goes into my body um you know i've cut out you know i've cut out various things brought in other things to kind of maintain and you know a balanced diet and stuff like that but you know that is a level of kind of attention that a lot of people won't ever be bothered with. I think can't ever be bothered with. That's definitely, definitely true. But I also think that when it comes to addiction, I think most people have the exact same kind of palette or like levels of. Mm addiction it's just channeled in completely different ways like when people think of addiction they usually think of a vice you know what i mean mm. like cigarettes or alcohol or um mm. or else over reliance on something like a painkiller or whatever i think addiction can be channeled in many many different ways and i would say the way you talk about it that you're probably mm. addicted to being healthy like yeah I, I would yeah, say oh, yeah no yeah you're addicted I, I, to being yeah i love it yeah. opposite of overweight yeah, like I'm so one of my biggest one of like I suppose a fear. I I don't I I absolutely cannot stand the idea of being part of this 33% statistic that is overweight or morbidly obese. Yeah. I can't stand the thought of that anymore. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> like, <laughs> um I, I think for a yeah, lot of people it's, it just doesn't register with them. Though. Yeah. Like I I don't think I I think I just think it's too easy to look at a fat it's, person. And it's way too easy as well to just eat more than it is. you're meant to. Like, um, because, you know, take, take uh, you know, like a microwavable curry or something like that. You know, someone's, you know, your average Joe's going to come home from their nine to five, slam a microwave curry in the, micro, you know, in the microwave, eat that without a second thought of, you know how many calories that is. You know that could easily be seven hundred calories, yeah. which for a grown woman is, you know, like a third of her daily intake. You know, recommended daily intake just to maintain weight, not even to lose. So you know, add on, you know, like a bottle of Coke 
um, you know, like a sandwich or whatever during the day, breakfast, snacks, chocolate, whatever, and bang, easily you can gain weight. It's it's so easy. Even the um the show, the reality TV show, The Biggest Loser. Yeah. The people who go on that are addicted to food, and mm-hmm. essentially the way the show works is they're punished for it for with these like rigorous exercise yeah, regimes, yeah, yeah. and they are punished and sort of it's it's that like i i really have this massive opinion that or sorry this like theory that the type of person mm. you are is largely determined by how you respond to like a drill sergeant like if someone is fucking screaming at me with a megaphone to do 10 push-ups like mm-hmm. i'm not fucking doing it like fuck off you won't talk to me like that that's not how mm. you'll get true to me um but on The Biggest Loser, that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, come on, you have to do this. Come on, get up. Are you serious about this, or do you want to stay fat forever? And, like, those types of things. And people do it, and they do it, and um, mm. someone wins. The person that loses the most weight wins. That's why it's called The Biggest Loser, yeah. if you didn't know. Um, I know people who watch that show to laugh at fat people, <laughs> which I just think is just... if like. You're an adult. Yeah, what the like, fuck are you doing? These are people trying to better themselves as mm. well. Like, what what are you doing? Um, but a weird and true fact about mm. The Biggest Loser is that a very high percentage of the winners of that show, and in fact all of the contestants on that show, immediately put that weight back on once they get out. Mm. And that's because... And- they, yeah, they're not Sorry. in control of of their own diets. Essentially, you know what I mean. Like they mm. just don't know. It, it it is a legitimate medical condition. I think like it's an actual addiction to food. And I think the food companies know this. Like there's a reason that the um the directors from cigarette companies have moved into making food. Like Dairyly Lunchables was owned for a long time, and it might even still be by the Philip Morris mm. company, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And like even like um, I, I don't know. There's lots of them, but it like I I think that's a real thing, and that's a, a real darker side of the Biggest Loser as well. Is mm. that they don't do anything to actually keep those people. Um, yeah, I mean, what really what really annoys me about the Biggest Loser and shows like it is that you know it's two minutes of weighing in and oh look you're fat. 24 minutes of rigorous exercise while being shouted at by a personal trainer mm-hmm. and then two minutes of going oh well you know we've weighed you and look you're slightly less fat and then but there's no you know the, the saying holds true and it always will you can't out exercise a bad diet mm-hmm. full stop simple if you have a good diet you can do absolutely no exercise and you can lose weight you can gain weight you can maintain your weight if you you know if you know exactly you know how many calories you're burning they're not teaching them i would rather them take all of these you know overweight people and say to them look this is how you you know keep track of your diet this is how you make healthier choices this is how you you know cook healthier meals stuff like that rather than going exercise and you'll be fine because it's bullshit, they won't be. Yeah. Because as soon as there's someone no longer shouting at them, and as soon as there's no longer someone pointing a camera in their face, they're not going to do it. And that makes sense to me. Um, if somebody... 
put a gun to my head and said, look, man, if you want to be rich, you got to work really fucking hard. Like, you need to go out, you need to go into work every day, stay late for free, put in the hours, like, work your way up, or, you know, whatever. This can apply to pretty much any job. I'm using mine as an example. Um, You, like, if you want to be rich, you can be rich. You just have to work mm-hmm. really hard. In most cases, or in my case, in your case, I'm mm-hmm. going to say. I, I don't think that's true in um, a lot of cases because of circumstance or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think if someone put a gun to your head or my head and said, if you want to be rich, you can be rich, I think we're both yeah. in a position where we can become rich if we want to. Um, yeah. And, like, I think I would probably do that, and I would put in the hours, and I'd do all the stuff that they say. And like, what? Get the promotion, or you know, yeah, or, or if someone even said to me, like someone like me who is in a position to go back into education, if if someone said to me, oh, if you wanna, um, if you wanna become a human resources manager, you can do it. You just need to do this, and like, I would mm-hmm. do it. But then as soon as they take the gun away, I would just go back to being my casual, like, unmotivated, yeah. normal life having self because it's comfortable and it's yeah. just my default mode and I'm not motivated to do that like the things I'm addicted to and motivated by are channeled through completely different mm-hmm. you know things of entertainment yeah. and like knowledge and you know yeah i think that's sort of how yeah people will always have things that they prioritize like for me at the moment it's you know my health and kind of going to the gym and you know finishing uni and stuff like that whether those priorities will change like you know you can go down the hall to one of my roommates and their priorities lie completely in a completely different place it's you know yeah it's as simple as that yeah like and that like the biggest loser definitely kind of exploits the whole fat shaming thing I feel Mm. like because I don't feel like they're being a legitimate um like a legitimate source of uh, information about how to change your diet and stuff because to be honest if you wanted to keep up with their uh methods of training and stuff like Mm. you don't have the fucking budget for it yeah like you just that's not a thing that you can actually do for yourself Mm. so I don't know like I, the um, weight and personal training and fitness and all of that is very interesting to me because mm. one of my best friends is a personal trainer mm. and also my cousin Dara who is also like one of my best friends is a personal trainer Yeah, and I like obviously I'm very close with both of these people they don't know each other but they both have like the complete polar opposite methods of diet and and training and mm-hmm. drills and, and all of that stuff and they both seem to have equally like successful rates of like yeah i find that really interesting i just feel like there's a lot of stuff that we just don't know about fitness and i think there's a certain system for one person and a certain system for another person mm-hmm. and i don't think you should do a one-size-fits-all regime of exercise because for some people, it will scare them away from exercise forever if they have to do mm. certain things that they don't like. And there may be an alternative that's more suitable to them. And I yeah. think a show like The Biggest Loser does not allow for that at all. 
No. You know what I mean? No, not at all. Um, yeah, I, I... Yeah, I think we've gone ever so slightly off-topic. I feel like the topic <laughs> is the backdrop for several other discussions Topics, yeah. that we have had throughout <laughs> this show. Um, I did want to talk about mm. YouTube mm-hmm. prank things and how mm. well they fit in with the whole cynical view of reality TV and it being staged. Mm. So we know for a fact that most big YouTube channels who deal in pranks have mm-hmm. hired people to participate in the video as yeah. the... Victims. Um, yeah. Stooges. Yeah. yeah. Or even an onlooker who's expressing shock or whatever. Yeah. Stuff like that is... I don't really know if you can straight up call it unethical or immoral or whatever, mm. because at the end of the day, the argument is always going to be, did you enjoy the video or didn't you? And if you did, then does it matter if they're fake? Mm. Um, yeah, I don't uh, yeah like, yeah, sorry, yeah, because, um, yeah, like, personally, I think all kind of prank videos are childish and... You know, real or not, I think uh, maybe it's just because, uh, you know, I don't kind of watch prank videos in general. And the only kind of ones that I see are ones that are brought up in a negative light being kidnapping and fake murdering one of your friends or, um, you know, sexually assaulting strangers. Um, There was was one that that I saw the other day of someone going up to underage girls and asking them if they're going to get laid this year. Was that someone? Soflo Antonio. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Like. Um, yeah. Just kind of awful stuff is all I've been exposed to, as it were. So I don't. I. I really can't speak on the uh, topic at hand, as it were, because you know I've only had. I've only seen things that I think are incredibly stupid you know and whether whether that's i've just only seen bad ones or whether i've seen a fair you know a representation and then decided that they are all stupid there's a guy uh, called sure. andrew hales um, mm. his youtube channel is laugh it's l a h w f yes i actually i know i know of him yeah he is the greatest guy in the world in all modes of entertainment. No, uh, <laughs> Ailes is so fascinating to me because he is not overly charismatic. He's mm. kind of droll. Um, and a bit awkward. Very, very, very yeah. awkward. But he's kind of like, um, I guess like he's like an attractive looking guy. So you wouldn't yeah. um, begrudge him his awkwardness because that's the kind no. of society that we live in. And I think... His biggest strength is his daringness and the fact that mm-hmm. he actually doesn't give a fuck. And he's, over the years, he's really turned to dislike people who he's even worked with in the past mm-hmm. because of how sensationalized the fake videos are getting in the pranking community and stuff. Yeah. Um, like, he's called out, like, Vitaly and... Um, yeah. people like that and he's so 
brazen, like, in general. Like, he's he made this one video that was, like, shooting people in the hood prank, and it's uh. so fucking good. Like, he goes into the hood with a gun and literally kills people, and, like, he's just laughing at it at the end. And, like, it's it's fake, obviously, but it's yeah. very, very well done, and he says, like, oh, yeah, this was obviously fake. And his latest thing is, like, he goes up to people and pushes into them while he's walking past them and they go like hey what the fuck man and he's like i don't know you're a bitch though and then when it's over he's like that was obviously fake and i i think that's really great that he's doing that because he he made this one video and it was like how to go viral and it was like he said in it you have to prey on stereotypes like um he even said like these might be fake these are probably fake like vitaly going up to girls and going hey do you want to do you want to ride in my car and while while there's a Ferrari there, and they're like, yeah, okay, mm. and then he's driving a '96 Fiesta. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, no, actually, and then he's like, oh, you gold digging bitch, because people in the comments on YouTube love nothing more than to spit misogynistic slurs. So oh yeah, yeah. Once the girl actually rejects that card, the comment section fills with, oh, that bitch got what was cut, and like mm-hmm. all of this shit. And um, Vitali has a series of videos like that where they play up to stereotype like for me right i'm not a gym guy and as a gym guy this might hurt you but i think (laughs) a lot of gym guys are lame (laughs) i don't mean you i mean the ones who are so fucking insanely preachy about making gains bro and like kind of the kind of the person that you essentially make fun of a lot when you actually do talk about going to the gym um (laughs) But he has this thing where he goes up to gym bros and he's like, oh, bro, do you even lift? Your arms are really small. And then they go crazy and like, what the fuck, dude? You think this is small? And like, they go, and like, for me, right, watching that is like validation almost because I can say to myself, oh, yeah, those gym guys are fucking dickheads with their fitness and their muscles. And their their arms. Yeah. And their regimented, motivated exercise routines, those dickheads. Because for me, I don't do any of that, and, mm. like, I wish I was, like, healthier and fitter and stuff, but it's, like, it's so easy to make fun of these people, and I see videos like that, and, like, I don't know if that Vitaly video is fake or not, but I know that mm. it does definitely prey on a certain stereotype, and that's why it's entertaining, and that's what, like, isn't that the basis of reality TV, yeah. is to be entertaining, yeah. whether or not it's strictly a true thing yeah it's it's all entertainment at the end of the day whether you're you know you're making tv shows to appeal to average joe and his wife or whether you're making you know youtube videos to appeal to 12 year olds it's what you can't do though rightly in my opinion is please everyone (laughs) well that but (laughs) you can't just bully people and then say, oh, bro, it's a prank. It's yeah. a prank. Look, yeah. there's a camera there. It's a yeah. prank. You like, can't degrade people. You can't, you know... You know, like, you can't just walk up to someone and verbally abuse their girlfriend or no. racially abuse them or, like, steal their car or things like that, like, and yeah. then say it's a prank. Like, yeah, that's not what a prank is. Yeah, there's a fantastic video. I think it's a Swedish... It's off like a Swedish um, Just for Last kind of show. And it's, or it's a YouTube video. And, you know, this guy's coming out of, um, this guy's coming out of like a, a grocery store with like, you know, bags full of food. And someone like kicks the bags out of his hand. 
and then he's just like, but bro, it's a prank. And then like, and then he's just like laughing. He's going, oh, that's okay then. And then like, you know, it goes on and he gets, you know, the windscreen of his van bashed in, his girlfriend's sexually abused. And every time something <laughs> like awful happens, they're just like, oh, it's a prank. And everyone's there. It's just like, <laughs> that's okay then. And it's like, <laughs> you know, completely satirizing yeah. all that kind of awful stuff. And that, like, that is what a lot of people think a prank is like a prank is something where nobody gets hurt and yeah like verbal abuse hurts you know what yeah. i mean like sticks the saying goes sticks and stones will break my bones but words will hurt forever <laughs> so i don't know what you're doing by like just verbally yeah. assaulting people but you cannot fucking go up to a black guy make fun of the color of his skin and degrade him and then just fall back on the fact that it's a prank mm. that's not a prank that's you poking someone to get a reaction and then getting the reaction that you thought you'd get and then getting mad at the person for giving you the reaction that you yeah. thought you were going to get in the first place there's one guy i saw who has like 300 300,000 views a video and his whole thing is that he does stuff like this like he goes up to people in the petrol station and starts siphoning um the petrol yeah yeah and then someone will, like, say, hey, what the fuck are you doing? And they'll get all, like, up in his face and they'll go yeah. to throw a punch or whatever. And he's got this bodyguard who steps in and is, like, twice That's the size it. of the other guy and then says, whoa. And then the guy goes, oh, it's a prank from behind the bodyguard. Like... That's pathetic. Yeah, that's that is pathetic. Like, that's you, you know, employing the, someone to facilitate sure, your bullying. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of. I've seen definitely two or three videos of people, you know, going up to black guys and racially abusing them, or you know, calling them my nigger and stuff like that, and yeah. then getting just knocked the fuck out. Yeah, absolutely. and then I've then the cameraman comes running over, going, oh, "Bro, it's a prank," and the black guys are just like, "So." <laughs> You can't just be a cunt to people. Like. Seen, there's one guy who's like, I I think he's um, his accent doesn't sound like a native, like uh like he speaks English as his first language. I'm not mm. sure, but he's got um black curly hair and glasses. I don't know his name, but he pops up on every. He gets punched in like every single video, <laughs> um. But he loves just going up to people in the hood. Which, by the way, setting your pranks in the hood and calling it in the hood. You might not know it, but that's actually racist because you're yeah. you're um, you're uh, well, propagating a racial stereotype by doing that. Like what you're doing there is implying that oh, this is where all the black people are, and we all know that mm. they're angry at everything. Yeah. Um, but he sets all of his pranks in the hood, and he'll go up to people and just say stuff like oh, you've got AIDS, or oh, your your girl is is a bitch, and just stuff like that. And then yeah. just, or, or he'll go up to people and just straight up be like, hey, do you want to fight? And then they'll go, yeah. And then like throw a punch or whatever. And then like, oh, bro, it's a prank though. Like, yeah. what is that though? You can't just, I, or it's a social no experiment. Oh, uh, yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say. It's social experiment. Bullshit. What is, what do you expect? Uh, that if you attempt to get a reaction from someone that you can do it? Because... That's something that doesn't have to be an experiment. That can be a theory, and everyone will go, "Yeah, oh no, yeah, definitely." Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you I don't go know. to a black man and like hit him with a racial slur, will he respond aggressively? Oh, would you look at that? He will. Yeah. Uh, the only the only thing that I've seen that could be bordering on an actual social experiment is the guy went up to, you know, parents that were sat watching their kids in a play park and said to them. 
hi, um, I'm just doing a social experiment. I've got this puppy with me. I want to see if your child is aware of the, you know, sh- like stranger danger. And the parents would just be like, yeah, of course, yeah. Like, and so the guy was like, okay, so which, you know, which kid is yours, essentially? And then he'd go over with the puppy and go to this little kid and just be like, do you like, do you like puppies? And the kid would be like, yeah. And then he'd go, I've got more puppies over this way if you want to come with me. Do you, do you want to come with me and see more puppies? We've got loads of puppies. And the kid would go, yeah. And he'd walk off with the kid. Mm. Like, easy as that. And then, and then, you know, they'd go and they'd talk to the parents and they'd talk to the kid and say, you know, don't, you know, strange danger and shit like that. That's the closest thing I've seen to a social experiment. That doesn't get views. That's not yeah. I chloroforming actually... a child and putting them in a van and then just going, <laughs> it's a prank, bro. <laughs> Right. I was gonna make that joke, but I did. I thought it would be too dark, even for this. Ooh. But um, I saw one that was set on the London Tube, and they got like this, um, this really hot bl- blonde woman and this foreign muscly guy, and he would go up to her on the tube and start groping her, and then they would have an argument, and then someone would get involved and threaten physical abuse and then they'd be like oh no 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 it's a social experiment just to see if someone would react or whatever yeah but you can tell like they don't give a fuck about whether or not people will react the thing that they care about is how people will react and how they can you know put that in a clickbait title and say oh you won't believe what happened next like oh i can believe it trust me (laughs) a, a stranger gropes a woman on a train you won't believe what happened this man stood up to it like that kind of thing and I, I don't know it's very the whole evolution of from reality tv to youtube like that sort of thing is dangerous and disingenuous and mm. it really doesn't do anything good like i really like roman atwood and i really like his videos Mm-hmm. Um, like I think he's a really great guy and stuff but he's also guilty of like the things that I hate like he has this one video where he goes to the hood again and mm. says what's up my neighbours like knowing full fucking well what he's saying and then yeah. people are like what the fuck are you saying and then he'd be like neighbours what's up I just moved in and stuff and they're like oh okay and like the saving grace of videos like that is the part where it's they're all the, in harmony at the end. And yeah, the people that he talks to are just, you know, normal, nice people. Yeah. I I just... I don't like to see stuff that is antagonizing people to get no. them to react and then falling back on it's a prank because yeah. that's, like... That's what bullying is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, bullies in school used to always be the ones who would do something to you and then when you react, just laugh about it and say, oh, I was only messing, man. Calm yeah. down. Like, it's not a big deal. You know what I mean? And that, uh, just that in itself is, like, a weird sort of um, psychological aspect that implies, like, can control you. Like, mm-hmm. that's the whole experiment aspect of it is, oh, I bet I can control this situation. Yeah. Behave in a certain way. I, I don't... I, I really think that that whole thing is harmful because of the fact that it allows anyone who has stereotypical prejudices or mm-hmm. um, whatever to because you see so many videos if you go on like literally any video where the black guy gets angry the white people accepted it yep. as a joke but the black guy gets angry the whole comment section is 
oh, black people always get so fucking angry. That's why yeah. they're the inferior race and stuff like that. And like you, but you actually see that with like four thousand thumbs up. Yeah. And that can't be good. Like, I, I mean, you know, the thing that really fucks me off with that kind of thing is that they're making videos for what are basically impressionable children. Mm-hmm. And it's just a way to kind of, you know, they can say what they want. They can say, oh, well, they shouldn't be watching my videos. But the reality is they are, and you know that. Yeah, you know yeah. that for a fact. You know that your audience is predominantly, t- you know, male, white males ages, you know, 14 to 16. Yeah. You know that. And you are making content, content for them, essentially. And if you're making content that reflects that kind of thing, you know, what are they going to kind of grow up thinking, as it were, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that they have to be completely responsible for what they put out, but a little bit of responsibility would be I think nice. Like I I don't know. Like as a former YouTuber or whatever I mm. am, there are topics that I stayed away from because I know I have a younger audience in mm-hmm. like I don't mean younger to patronize anyone either. I mean younger than me. Like because yeah. I know I'm younger than you. Like I'm, Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's why I don't talk to you about certain things because <laughs> I'm afraid that you know you'll you're 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 very impressionable and you look up to me a lot. So uh, <laughs> naturally, <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I never talk about drugs on my channel because mm. it's I, and I get like there are some people who are just so like, oh, please talk about drugs, and it's like I don't have anything positive or negative to say about yeah. drugs. I, uh, I have, I'm, it's neither here nor there really. I, I, yeah, I've got a bunch of stories, but what I'm afraid is that people would just take those stories and channel it into a way that suits that. Because like, a lot of people think, like weed at the moment is basically just not even a drug at this point. No. It's, it's like smoking cigarettes at this point. In fact, I'd say it's even, it's not even as bad as smoking cigarettes at this point. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I don't think smoking weed is a good thing to do. No. So like I I don't know it, it's sort of difficult because I've I know people who from a young age started smoking weed and I I don't believe weed is a chemically addictive substance and I don't mm. believe that it is um, as harmful as other things that people do but I feel like there is a lifestyle associated with smoking weed that I've yeah. seen people fall into and I have seen their lives suffer as a result of that I don't believe it's a gateway drug or any of that bullshit no. there is a lifestyle associated with it there is a stoner culture yep, and for sure. that's fine but I've seen it like pretty much like just zap people's potential and motivation mm. and stuff and turn people into like basically a zombies zombie. yeah, yeah. Which, I don't know, it, like, it's funny how people who smoke weed, like, get so angry that the government is controlling what they can ingest, whereas, like, yeah. if the government wanted to control you, pal, they would give you lots of weed, because that's, like, the, the most easy way to control someone is get them stoned, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. But, um... Don't really have uh, anything else to say. No, I think we've covered an absolute ton of bases. I still feel like there's a lot of stuff I didn't mention, but I can't remember what I was going to say. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe best leaving it for next time. Yeah. Um, 
that is that is the what we will do. So yes. I think we might have an episode next week as well. Um, and we are gonna try and push this to be a more consistent show. In mm. fairness, we have had consistent fortnightly episodes for yeah. I think five now in total. Yeah, so no one can complain. Yeah, and if I see you complaining, I will come to your house and fucking kill you. But it will be a prank. It will be a prank. <laughs> so it's all okay, bro. Yeah, it's all okay, bro. You can't get mad at me, bro. You yeah. don't even lift, bro. <laughs> if I went up to you in the street, Jack, and I were someone that you didn't know, and I asked you, did you even lift... Would you a? <laughs> <laughs> I just probably look at the. If someone came up to me and said that to me, I just look at them and just be like, "What? Who the fuck are you?" Why, I would, yeah, I would think what? it's a person with a mental condition. Why are you talking to me? Yeah, I like edgy child. <laughs> Grow the fuck up. Yeah, a very strange carry on altogether. Yeah, but um. Yeah, the pranking community, I, I kind of have endless things to say about it, but I think I've... I don't think any of it's positive. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Um, but yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, yep. leave a like on whatever platform you're watching on, because, to be honest, I really could do with the ego boost, and <laughs> that is what those functions do, is each of them boosts my ego. And for every like this episode receives, I will donate one euro to my own personal savings account. <laughs> and if that doesn't incentivize you... I don't believe for a minute that you even actually have a savings account. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't go there, because I definitely don't. But I, I should. Uh, I should definitely uh, look into that. I've got a Betfair account, and I keep a lot of money in there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there we go. That's that. Next week, we talk about different stuff, so check out that, and that will be fun.
Find yourself afraid to 